0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees, 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due. $35 per line connection charge apply. CTMobile.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. To the sports any way that he can It's Mike Francesa on the fan Sports Radio 66 And 101.9 FM WFAM
1: Alright, on this Wednesday evening The 17th day of June We come to you as always Brought to you by Casamigos Tequila Brought to you by those who drink it Uh Maybe a little... A bit of optimism. I'm even tired of talking about it with the baseball. You know, call us when they get something done. And it sounds like they want to get something done. I mean, uh, they've pushed the, through as far as they can. They're trying to, you know, it sounds like the players are going to win. If they if there's going to be a, a concession, it looks like the owners are going to make it. Uh, the owners will get their extra playoffs. The players get their money. That looks like, but we'll probably play somewhere around a ridiculous 60-game season is what it looks like. Uh, but it sounds like uh, it sounds like they're moving in the right direction now. So, again, kind of tired of talking about it, to be honest with you. When they play, call us. A um, couple of things. Number one, uh, Friday night we'll preview the Belmont, which comes your way Saturday. No fans. Uh, and there had been some thoughts of letting owners in know. Um, it's not your typical Belmont. It's not a mile and a half. Uh, it's a mile and an eighth. It has to be because it's the first of the Triple Crown races this year. Hey, why shouldn't it be a strange year? Everything else is. Um, It's not a great field. There's been a lot of uh, reasons why. But the big horse, there's some good horses there. Tis the Law is a horse that I, uh, the Sakatoka Stable horse I have seen uh, last summer very very impressive in person Stormbreaker's maiden Uh, thought he had a chance to be a great horse Uh, still do Uh, he's a wonderful wonderful talent Uh, we'll see how he does as the heavy favorite I think he will win uh, there's a couple of very good horses in the race. There always are. Um, and there's a couple of, uh, horses that have a chance at a price. We'll get to that. But as I said, we will analyze that on Friday for you. We will have that and the whole Belmont card for you as far as it. Uh, I mean, it's a very good day of racing. You have, um, one, two, three, four, five stakes. You don't have as many stakes as in the past. You don't have as many rich races. They can't, they can't afford it. I mean, but, but they're giving you a good card. You got the Belmont, you got the Jaipur. you got the, uh, Acorn, you have, uh, a couple of turf, uh, turf races, one at a mile, two at a mile. Uh, so. You got a good day of racing, a very good day of racing, as a matter of fact. And uh, we'll take it all from there. But again, we'll wait until Friday to get to the Belmont stuff. Uh, then we'll preview that on Friday. The golf, which did very well, was well received, did very well uh, uh, in, in the ratings. Uh, people were interested in it because, hey, really the only game in town for the most part. Back in action this week, still no Tiger. Uh, Hilton Head. Down there on that very scenic track, the RBC Heritage, good field again. You got some very good young players. Uh, you had a great, great, you know, uh, competition last week. A lot of wild stuff. I mean, when you see guys making 50 footers, then missing, you know, three footers, then making 40 footers for Bogey and 26 footers for Birdie, and then missing a two footer now. When Shafley missed a two-footer, I don't think he did anything wrong. You know, sometimes you put it in the cup and it spins out. I don't think he did anything except put it in the back of the cup. It just didn't go in. I mean, sometimes it just didn't go in. Uh, And uh, uh, that was obviously costly to him. Uh, Murakawa, who's going to be a very good player, had his chances. He's got to shake that off. Uh, He'll get a lot of attention. He's a a star in the making. Um, Dustin Johnson's playing. Rory's playing. Uh, Rory's the favorite. Uh, um, Rahm is playing. Uh, Thomas is playing. Um, I'm going with Deschambeau 14 to 1. And I thought he played very well last week. I think he's playing well right now. I don't like how beefed up he's got, you know, he's made himself very big. He's working out three times a day. He's drinking all these protein drinks. He wants to be able to hit the ball a mile. I mean, that's his thing. You know you know how he, scientific he is about everything. Um, but he played really well, and he had a couple of putts that if they had fallen, and they easily could have, including one on 18, he could have been in the playoff for better. Uh, he played really well. He's played well at Hilton Head in the past. He's 14-1. to 1. I think he's got a real big chance this week. And then my long shot this week, is uh, a journeyman. And this, I would play this guy two ways. I'd play him to finish in the top five, where he's going to give you 12 to 1 in the top five, and he's going to give you 60 to 1 overall. Jason Cockrack, who played very well last week, has had his moments at Hilton Head, and I think is playing very good golf. I think he's on a bit of a run right now. Um, listen, it'd be a big, shocking win. Like I said, he's 60 to 1. Um, but he played really well last week. He actually had, in the midst of his high streak, he actually had one lip out. Uh, so there was a lot of that last week, uh, and, you know, that's golf. I mean, it really is, and there, there just seemed to be a lot of them uh, for one tournament. Uh, I can think of four or five of them, and, you know, look how close Rose came to uh, forcing his way into the playoff. He just had one just miss uh, on eighteen. So uh, it'll be another very competitive uh, competition. Um, It's a scenic one. They did a nice job last week. This week it'll uh, have some company because, as we said, a lot of eyes will be on Belmont on Saturday, uh, and then obviously Hilton Head will finish up on Father's Day, which is this Sunday. So nice way to finish up. And, again, uh, there'll be a lot of attention paid to the golf. So I'm going with the rather, I don't know if you want to call him eccentric or whatever you want to call it, DeChambeau. He's, uh, you know, different, that's for sure. And uh, But he's getting better and better, and he's sitting it far, and he's, the rest of his game is good, and he's competing, and I think he might be ready to break out and win at 14-1. to So uh, he's my pick and then I give you my long shot, which is Cock Rock this week, at sixty to one and I would play him in the top five also at twelve to one. So uh that works pretty good. Um to Bernie and the Mickey on this day of the seventeenth uh two big days for them as a matter of fact. Big days, big years. Two thousand on this day uh June seventeenth Two thousand Yankees lost in uh, for Bernie, Yankees lost to the Sox 10 nine. Bernie went four for four with two doubles a homer, seven RBIs and three runs scored. How about that? Four for four, two doubles a homer, seven RBIs and three runs scored. Um, Bernie went to 1361 on the season. He had 61 RBIs on June 17th, and that year finished up. In 2000, finished up with his best power numbers. He had 30 homers, which is all time high, had 121 RBIs, all time high. Uh, Batted 307, had a great year. Uh, And think about it, at 61 RBIs, 13 homers and 61 RBIs on June 17th. Now, just to give an example, for the June 17, 61, it's for Mickey. They lost to the Tigers, who were a great team in 61. You know, the Tigers won 100 games in on 61. Finished second, but it won 100 games. They lost to the Tigers 12-10. At this point in the season, Tigers had a better record. Mickey went one for three with two walks. He scored twice. He had three RBIs. He hit his 20th homer. In the same game, Roger hit his 23rd homer. Mickey had 48 RBIs. Went on his way to, obviously, 54 homers to Roger 61. They both had great seasons. Mickey was hitting 300 with a .419 on base percentage, uh, but this was home run number 20 on the eve- on the uh, year, and in the same game, Roger hit number 23. So uh, at this point, Roger had come from behind to move ahead of Mickey, um, and you know they went after it until Mickey finally uh, gave up after abscessing that hip and taking that shot from Dr. Feelgood that didn't work. Uh, he was recommended to him by Mellon, and yeah, he took a shot because he wasn 't feeling well, and he was still on rundown. run down, so he took a shot, and his whole hip abscessed. it was ugly. Uh, if you saw the movie sixty one you saw the whole thing um, and he bowed out of the race that last week of the season with fifty of four homers, but on this date, he hit his 20th as they played the Tigers, and the games against the Tigers were big in that year i mean those were those were big uh, big games Tigers were led by um, were led by uh, K-Line and uh, Bunning. Really good players. I mean, uh, exceptional players. And they had a great season. Won 100 games, but no wild card. At this time, the Tigers were 40 and 22. The Yankees were 37 and 23. Uh, Tigers had a heck of a team. Really did. Um, They they had a... uh, A team that was good enough, really was good enough to uh, win the World Series that year. The problem was, you know, you run into a team, you know, you run into a team like the Yankees and who had in 61, one of the best teams they ever had. You had for the Tigers, you had Jake Wood. You had uh, Bill uh, Bruton in center field. You had K-Line. K-Line in this game. On this night against the Yankees, when the they, uh, Tigers beat the Yankees 12-10 in the Tiger Stadium behind Paul Foytac. Um, Kalen went four for five with three runs scored and five RBIs. Uh, he homered the Yankees. Had, I mean, Kalen was batting third. Rocky Calavito, who you know very well, the great arm, Later played for the Yankees, power hitter. Rocky Calavito, uh batter, cleanup. Norm Cash, who had a huge year in 1961, hit 363 in 1961. Um, Norm Cash had an enormous season. At this point, he was hitting 365. Uh, Chico Fernandez, Ozzy Virgil, Don Marcy. If you've ever seen the Don Marcy baseball card, he's the guy who has the ears that stick out. Those that, that Don mosey baseball cards as a kid. That was Don Marcy. um Paul Foytack pitched in that game too. Um, for the Yankees, you had the uh, typical, the typical Yankee lineup. The Yankee lineup that you got so used to uh, in that season of of uh, sixty one. Uh, that was you know uh, at this point though a little difficult. You had Boyer batting first in this game, Kubek batting second. Usually it was Kubek batting first, and Richardson batting second. But Richardson was slumping, so it was Boyer batting first, Kubek batting second. Roger had been moved at this point ahead of Mickey when he, that's when he went on his tear. Mickey, early in the season, was on a tear. He was in front of Roger. Once they put Roger in front of Mickey, he took off. Elston Howard, who was only hitting three sixty three. Think about it. You got Roger, who has 23 homers at the moment. You got Mickey behind him, who's got 20 homers. And then the guy hitting behind them is... Elston Howard, all he is as a catcher is hitting three sixty-five, And then behind him, Moose already had 40 RBIs. 40 RBIs on the season at this point. I mean, these guys, and then Bob Serve, who was the third outfielder. If you've ever seen 61, they all lived together, Serve, Maris and Mantle. Bob Serve was on that team. Then Bobby Richardson, of course. And... Bud Daly, if you remember Bud Daly. If you ever had the 61 baseball clubs, you remember Bud Daly's name. You remember all these names. Bud Daly, Raleigh Sheldon, Bob Turley, uh, Tex Clevenger, Johnny Blanchard, the classic, Pinchetta, Hector Lopez, uh, all these guys who were a part of that great team. So it was big years for both guys, big nights for both guys, especially for Bernie. who had seven RBIs, uh, two doubles and a and seven RBIs going four for four in that game on his way to the best season he ever had with 30 homers and 121 RBIs. We'll get to your calls, whatever's on your mind. Um, a couple of things. There are reports of some moderate success in baseball, that they're moving in the right direction. You're going to hear that until they get a deal. You know when they get a deal? When they tell you get a deal. Because as as, men, as much animosity as there is between these two, Any little thing can blow them back up. I think they both realize they're at the point where they have to do it now if they're going to do it. Uh, So I think they are on their best behavior, uh, but we'll see what happens as we go forward. And I'll tell you, one thing you're finding, though, with all these sports, especially the team sports, you know, golf is a much easier lift for them. They're playing outside. They have plenty of room. They're individual contractors. They travel themselves. They're responsible for their own travel. They take care of their own stuff, their own schedule, their own people, everything else. Um, From that standpoint, it's a lot easier from a logistical standpoint. And in terms of having to deal with the whole idea of moving a franchise and moving teams and moving people inside a franchise. So uh, all that is a very, very big issue. And then you got the issue of... uh, exactly how many positives can a team withstand at one time? Can a league withstand? When is the credibility damaged by that? So that's always going to be an issue. And as they move, you know, in baseball, let's say, where they want to move around, again, as they move to cities where it is spiking, that's an issue also. So you know they're moving. They're, you know they got this three-game schedule uh, scheduled somewhere, and they're moving into a place where the airport closes down. Now they uh, they fly to where they can probably get their jet in. That's fine, but it just sets a bad tone all the way around. So you wait and see. And you know you've heard reactions from the NBA players that hasn't been overly positive too. They've been worried about a lot of things. As far as football, you've already had players test positive on the Texans, Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott as an example. So already before they even get started, you've had that happen. So again, another issue. Then you had uh, John Hobart complaining about, hey, I can't deal with all these protocols and coach my team. I mean, some states have put in incredible uh, protocols. I know with my kids' camp, they put – my kids went away to camp outside the state, it was New Hampshire for camp. And New Hampshire put in such stringent protocols to the camp that the camp couldn't, couldn't do it. They just couldn't get it done. They had to cancel the camp for the summer. And this is in the middle of nowhere. This is out in, you know, out in the uh, wide open land. I mean, where it's really, it's on a lake, it's in the middle of nowhere. And they still couldn't do it because they were going to make it so strict as to how the uh, camp was going to be maintained, who was allowed in, how many of you were going to have to test the, the uh, uh, kids before camp, were they going to be tested during camp, were they going to be allowed to have the interaction they usually have camp to camp, and all the other different things. And instead, they just canceled it. You know, one thing with the NFL is. Uh, is is Kaepernick and I would say this I will be extremely surprised if Kaepernick's not back in the league by, before Labor Day I'll be very surprised if he's not I think he will be now does that mean that I think somebody's just going to hand him a job I think there are, I think the league wants him to be in there I think they want him in the league now. I don't think there's any doubt that if he's in shape, he's good enough to be a backup quarterback in this league. I mean, the guy came within a couple of plays of winning a Super Bowl. He hasn't played in a couple of years. and his last couple of years, he didn't distinguish himself. I think he's 6-19 in his last 25 starts, something like that. But I do think he'll be back in the league this year. There had been talk of Seattle, but you know, if he goes to Seattle, he's not playing. Not playing, not for any reason. Because Pete Carroll has said very nice things about it, but because he's behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. The only way he's playing is if he gets hurt. He's behind a guy who's gonna go to the Hall of Fame one day, unless something strange happens. In Russell Wilson. But now it sounds like there's teams that want him. So um, I would be very surprised if he does not take a job in the league. In the very near future. I I, I would think that's in his plan. Now, again, he now has a lot of opportunities open to him. There's no question. So he might be, he might have other, other plans now, other ideas, other things that he thinks are more important than playing football. I don't know. That I don't know. But I think if he wants to, let me put it this way, if he wants to play football, then I think he will play football. Um, as we mentioned with the, uh, at the Belmont, which will go Saturday at a mile and an eighth, we'll preview that on Friday. We'll preview all the races on the card that day. There had been reports on television that They were going. As a matter of fact, they ran a promo that was incorrect. I just heard it a couple uh, a couple of minutes ago, which said that they were going to run the Belmont at two forty five. They are not. The first race is eleven forty five, and they are going to run the Belmont at five forty two. There had been reports for some reason. I don't know where. Listen, there's a lot of stuff. Information just gets out now that's just not that good, but there. I, I saw a promo on television. During a commercial, I was uh, watching it, and they said uh, Belmont will be run at two forty-five. It will not. It will be run at five forty-two. Okay, that'll be uh, the race. First race of the day is eleven forty-five on Saturday. Now there's no no fans to the track, but you can still, you know, obviously you have multiple places to wager on the races. Um, You have uh, twelve races on the card. Uh, you have, the second race will be the Woody Stevens, which is a very good sprint race. Um, very, you got a couple of very, very fast horses in there as always. You have, uh, Pinion Ridge, which is a turf sprint, a uh, turf, uh, mild turf race. Then you have the Wonder again. Then you have the Acorn you know, the Jaipa, which is six furlongs uh, on the turf. And uh, if you know sp- turf sprinting, you know that uh, that uh, Clement always has some good ones, and he's had a couple of really good ones from the same bond. Pure Sensation will still run, and he's a very talented, very, very talented uh, sprinter been a very very successful one, and then the Belmont will go off at five forty two and it will be run at a mile and an eighth and obviously the favorite uh will be Tis the law written by Franco uh you have one two three, four five six, seven eight nine, ten horses in the race um you have tap it, tap it to win Mark Cassie's horse from Live Oak uh, on the rail. You have Solo, Valente, Max Player, Modernist, Mott's horse that's got a chance to run real well. Uh, Farmington Road, which is a Pletcher horse, quality road. You have uh, Four Left, which is out of the, uh, you know, Doug O'Neill, out of the Redham Racing, which has had a lot of success in these races. Uh, Jungle Runner from Calumet. Uh, Tis the Law will be the heavy favorite. Doctor Post another quality road from Pletcher and Saint Elias, uh, and uh, then pneumatic. So um, solid field, not an overwhelming field, but a solid field. And again, heavy favorite. Uh, I think, I think Tis the Law will be four to five in this race. He deserves to be four to five. Uh, the horse has shown really and. A lot. You know, the horse has uh, shown a tremendous amount of ability so far. Has done everything right. Is very, very impressive. Has been vi- visually impressive. Uh, and uh, deserves to be and has earned the right to be a heavy favorite. And has a chance to have a very big year. Uh, just like uh, they did with Funnyside. Uh, Sakatoga Stable is back all these years later. You know? They didn't just get one of these; they got maybe two of these because they obviously they' got a one that changed their lives with uh with funny signs, and now they have another in the uh Senate constitution uh out of a tis now mayor that uh, tis the law so uh very very impressive. get a constitution out of a tis now mayor tis the law so um, aptly named and a very, very player's face using video chat I have used this to connect with family members
0: and friends and there's nothing better than seeing my friend's face when I turn over pocket aces try it out today by downloading the Poker Face app bring poker nights to your living room even while you are self-isolating Poker Face download it today
1: alright the uh, phones are hopefully back they tell me they also will give it a try Richard in Manhattan what's up Richard Mike who do
0: you want to talk about Daryl Royal. Tony Dorsett or Mike? I don't
1: Clark. care. Just, uh, just ask the question.
0: All right, Darrell Royal. In the decade of the '60s, he beat in in the in the bowl games. Starbuck, name it, and Geisman. Can you name me one quarterback in the '60s, or one wide receiver in the 1960s, or one running back in the 1960s from the University of Texas who made it as a pro?
1: The, the the first of all texas football though was i mean they had great players i mean the guy but but, but come on wait a second but richard 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 you're talking about a place you you're comparing and thanks for the call navy playing texas i mean navy was a one man team texas had 200 players try out for the team they had players from all over the state. The state produced hundreds and hundreds of Division One football players. They had Tommy Nobis. They had you—you know, you, you couldn't start there until you were a senior. They were so loaded on defense. I mean, what happened was Royal took over and then had a good run, and then he had a bad run in the middle of the '60s, and then he went to the Wishbone and had a really good run. But when he won the national championships, the second two. He won them with the wishbone. So, I mean, they didn't have quarterbacks and wide receivers. They had a quarterback named Street, if you remember, when they beat Arkansas in the game that was the game that wound up you know, to be determined in the, the national championship. Because remember, in those days, the national champion was determined before the bowl games, not after. So the bowls were an aside after. Remember, Notre Dame just started going back to bowl games. They went and played Texas. It was the first time they'd been to a bowl game in a million years. Uh, but... Nixon was the one who declared Texas Texas, because they were undefeated. The other undefeated was Penn State. Penn State was furious that they weren't considered the national champion. So, I mean, it was a different world. The wishbone, when Royal was at the top of his game, the wishbone was their offense. So they weren't going to have quarterbacks who passed or wide receivers. They were a, a running team. That's what they did. They ran. As a matter of fact, they had a big, a big thrower who they demoted and gave the job to Street because Street was a guy who could run the wishbone. That was the idea. I mean, in those days, and then everybody went to it. Alabama went to it with Bear Bryant because he started to recruit black players. He had gone through a lean period too, so he started to recruit black players. Okay, Bear took a beating from USC once just so that he could get as many black players as he wanted into the school. He had USC come to Birmingham and beat their brains in just because he wanted to prove a point. Hey, if I can't recruit those players, we're not going to be a championship team. They started recruiting black players. They went on a huge run and won a bunch of national championships. He went to the wishbone. Um, Oklahoma, obviously, went to the wishbone, won 30-something games in a row. Bob and Vero Beach, what's up, Bob? Oh, uh, hey,
0: Mike. What's happening? Um, you mentioned the 61 Yankees earlier. Yes. I talk about them? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, Louis Arroyo, I was nine years old that year, uh, so I don't right. recall too much about the games. Uh, so I think his record was like 15 and 5. 15 something. and
1: 4, I believe, yes.
0: Yeah, something like that. And right. he was a relief pitcher. Now, was he, was he a classic example of the uh, so called 5 o'clock lightning where he was getting the win?
1: No, nah, nah, he, he finished a lot of Ford's games, which is what, you know, he was kind of. F- why, would he,
0: why would he get the win?
1: Well, he did win games because he, he was in a lot of games. So they were game. He didn't win Whitey's games. He kind of saved Whitey's games. Whitey won twenty five games. Whitey oh, won twenty. Know, 25 Whitey twenty five and four. So, but Louie, you know, relief pitches, long long pitches long long you know, but well, you so sort did of Ron. You know, if if you go look at Ron Paranowski in '63, was sixteen and three. Okay. So if you go look at Elroy Face, Elroy Face for the Pirates, uh, in '60 I think was nineteen and one. So these guys used to come in and pitch, and they'd pitch a couple of innings, and they'd be in the game, they'd be in a tie game, and they would get a lot of wins. So it it, it it happened a lot. You had a lot of those relief pitches that got a lot of wins in those days. Well,
0: the, the term you've heard of the
1: term 5 o'clock lightning," right? Yeah, but I that meant the Yankees were behind. They came back and hit a home run. I mean, but they, but the, but, the, but the sixty the sixty one Yankees weren't behind very often. You know, the 61 team had great pitching, had great defense. Uh, now, they did have to beat the Tigers, who won 100 games. Right. The, t- the Tigers won 100 games and finished second. But the 61 team was one of the great teams, you know, of all I time.
0: Think that was Mickey's favorite, he said. He thought they were the best
1: team he played on. Oh, it was definitely the best team he played yeah. on. I mean, yeah. Though it, there's, only, there's only a couple of arguments. I mean, people like to bring the 98 team. I don't think the 98 team was as good as the 61 team. Uh, sure. th- now, uh, and thanks for the call, one of the teams, in the, you know, you can go back to Murderer's Row. You can go back to the, you know, the 30s Yankees were the most efficient championship teams of all the teams. You know, when they had Gehrig and Dickey and DiMaggio and those guys, that's when they actually ran off the most championships. I mean, those were their most efficient teams. Some people will say they didn't get the glamour, but post Ruth, but they, those teams, were considered a lot of times the most efficient. But 61 was as good as it got because not only did they hit a lot of home runs in an expansion year and Mail and Maris between them hit 115, the Yankees set a home run record that year. They had three catches, hit 20 home runs apiece. They had 115 home runs out of two players. Uh, they had a guy win 25 games. But they also were a superb defensive team. You had Manel and center, who was a good player. You had Maris and Wright, who was a great fielder. At that point, I'd call Mickey a good fielder, not a great fielder anymore. Uh, but Maris was a great fielder. Uh, they played a bunch of guys in left field. But they had Cleet Boyer at third base, who was the equal of Ro- Brooks Robinson. He wasn't as consistent, but he was flashy. And he was a brilliant third baseman. Kubik was a very good shortstop. Richardson was a great second baseman. And Scowen was good, not great at first base, but they were very, very good, and they had Elston Howard, who was an excellent defensive catcher, Yogi also caught, Blanchard caught a little, they rotated the three guys, so, I mean, they had everything, they had deep pitching, uh, one, without question, uh, without any question, one of the great teams of all time, I, I don't think there's any question. Steven Monfield, what's up, Steve? Hi, Mike, thanks for
0: taking my call. I, yeah. I have three quick course racing questions. Uh, number one, I ask all the gamblers that I know, and nobody knows what the word Preakness means. Uh, number two, I'm I don't to-
1: know. I don't know where Preakness comes from. I, not, that I don't know.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, number two, uh, it's not really about the preaknesses, but the movie Seven Days of May takes place around the Preakness. Do you think something like that could ever happen here?
1: No, I don't believe so.
0: And number three, uh, how do you think the time for this year's Belmont winner will compare? Secretariat's much longer race. Forty-seven.
1: There's no way to compare. It. This is a mile and eighth race. I mean, there's no, you, there's no way to compare a mile and eighth race to a mile and a half race. So, uh, and remember, Secretariat set the world record, and nobody has ever been within ten lengths of Secretariat in that That's race a since. Well, it'll still be faster, I guess. I, see, I know no, 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 again, Secretary, had set the world record right, right. in the Belmont. No one's ever come close to that. No one who's raced since then has ever come close to that time, ever.
0: But this race will be shorter, so...
1: Yeah, but again, but yeah, but, yeah but, uh, but how would you relate I mean, to it? I don't I know, understand I- your point.
0: No, I mean, I'm just saying he was so fast that if even, like, whoever won this race, if he gave him that head start, he'd still beat him. Something like that. I, know I don't
1: know. understand what that means. What do you mean head I start? Know. They'd still have to run a mile and a half.
0: Right. Well, yeah, but I'm, well, no, but I'm saying if... if
1: I I don't him, know what you're saying.
0: Well, no, I mean, if he started from a mile and a half away, and this horse started, whoever That's not
1: how, that's line, not, that, that that's not, no, that's not how they race. They don't no, race. No, they don't race. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, listen, a right. mile-and-a-half race is a mile-and-a-half race. A mile and an 8th race is shorter than a mile-and-a-half race. Right.
0: I, I understand that. So- you know how
1: long a furlong is? Uh,
0: not off the hand. Okay. There the- are
1: eight off furlongs off. in a mile. Okay. So okay. A- All right. a, a, a mile and an 8th race is how many furlongs? Be, uh, I'll, I'll make it easy on you, nine. nine. Okay, okay. and, the triple, and a, a mile-and-a-half race is how many furlongs? Twelve. There you go. Now you got it. Thanks. Thanks for the call. So it's three furlongs longer. So, uh, again, it has no, there's no way to compare them. But my point is, don't compare anything to what Secretariat did in the Belmont. Nobody who's ever run has ever broken that time. That is still the world record for the time. Not just the Belmont time, it's the world record for the time, 224. It has never been broken. And as far as the Belmont, nobody's ever been within 10 lengths. The second fastest Belmont was easy-goer. He ran 226. He would have been 10 lengths behind. John on Fairfield, what's up, John? And uh,
0: I appreciate you uh, getting on Richard. Like, these oblivious but names and players that he brings up every day. It just bores me to tears, so I I thank you. Somebody
1: texts me that Preakness was the name of a horse in the early 1800s, so that's where the name came from. It was the name of of a horse. Hello? Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I, I, I was saying I, 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 I thank you for... No,
1: I, I got your point on that. I was just answering the question from someone who asked what Preakness meant. I, and someone already texted me that Preakness was the name of a horse in the early 1800s. That's where the, na- okay. that's where the name for the race came from. It was the name of a horse in the early 1800s. Go ahead. What's up?
0: Just to play devil's advocate, though, um, you know... And and I mean this with all due respect, but do you think anyone like cares about these? Or, like it's kind of the same thing with Richard when you bring up these Mickey Mantle, Bernie uh, Williams stats. I mean, Mike, come on, you're only on for an hour.
1: I care about them. So listen, I'll tell you what. Okay, I've been doing this for thirty five years, better than anybody know, else. You're only on okay, an hour now that, yeah, and hour. that takes and that takes a minute. Your phone call, which was worthless, took as long as that that took, which was absolutely worthless. So uh, you know what. Uh, so save it, okay? You let, let me let me fill, let me fill a show. I don't need you to fill a show, okay? When I need you to fill a show, I'll call you, okay? I'll decide what's good. I mean, come on now. You try and come up with something with a little perspective. We haven't had sports in three and a half months. I mean, have a clue, okay? At least a little bit of a clue, all right? I mean, you know, you got you have you have to. You know, I, I'm not going to do some of the uh, silly stuff that's been done, all right, to fill the time, all right? I, that, that, that's, not, that's, not what I, that's not what I'm going to do, okay? So I find this interesting because I go back and look at two players that were well, my favorite players and, what they, and great Yankees who had great careers, and they were here in New York starring for 34 years combined, and the only team they ever played for was the Yankees. And on certain days like today... They had two of the great days they ever had on the state. And that's the point. Just putting those teams and those, and between them, between them, they were parts of eleven World Series champions. And had a million big hits, and they're two of the best postseason players who ever lived. So that's why I find it interesting. I find it interesting to go back and reminisce about certain days that they had and go look at the lineup on that date. And you know what? I mean, maybe you don't realize you have to fill with some stuff because there's no sports going on every day. Zero. There's no sports. There hasn't been sports in almost four months. Bob Monticello, what's up, Bob? Hey, Mike. What's happening?
0: I wanted, I wanted to talk to you quickly about the 2001 baseball season just in light of this total disgrace that's going on right now with the baseball. I was living in the city, and, and I remember that Piazza home run was obviously, you know, bigger, as big as Kirk Gibson's home run as a kid. My question was this. I always felt like that loss, Game 7, was the biggest ever because I felt like if we had had a parade in the, what's it called, the Canyon of Champions, Valley of Champions? Canyon
1: there, of Heroes. Canyon of Heroes, yes. Yeah. We,
0: if we had had that parade after 9 11 and like New York, city, I always felt like broke my heart a little bit that series loss, because we didn't have that celebration. Well, you but know,
1: sports, sports brought sports brought the city back and brought the country back during that time. It was a vehicle, uh, and thanks for the call. Sports brought it back. I mean, whether it was on the football field with the flags out, or whether it was. Uh, Piazza's night, which was one of the most emotional uh, sporting events I've ever seen, or having the World Series games played here under incredible uh, security, having George Bush with basically an armor plate on. I mean, they sent him out there. I don't know how he threw the ball because he was dressed in like an armor suit so that they they were so worried about him being out there in front of of that many people at that time. Um, I thought sports was a tremendous tonic. Uh, It served a tremendous, tremendous uh, role in bringing back the spirit of the city in giving people an outlet, an emotional outlet. The athletes obviously served the role by going down to the... Uh, site and helping the volunteers, or going down there and serving lunch, or going to firehouses, or all the different things that went on. Okay. That all those athletes shared with the people in the city, uh, going and, you know, deal with the families of the victims and just going and giving them a, you know, pat on the back, or whatever it was. And it did work wonders. This is a much more peculiar time. We haven't all rallied. We've been very divided. Instead of everybody rallying and wanting to fight the same fight and be angry at the same opponent and want to help each other now we're incredibly polarized incredibly divisive everyone's pointing blame at everybody else everybody's accusing everybody else no one understands anything there's been no real leadership there's been no government plan there's been no information you could hang your hat on as we go into this as we try to reopen sports now We watch as our city gets better, better, and now this thing breaks out in all over the country as you watch on the news every night. So, again, we're watching as it breaks out in Oklahoma and breaks out in Arizona and breaks out in Texas and North Carolina and Florida and Georgia. And we're watching that unfold after we live through it being so intense in our cities for months. So we don't know what the heck's going on with this thing. Day to day, we don't know what's going on with it. So it's so different this time. And then you're right. Sports has been divisive, if anything. And we also have had all the unrest and all the racial issues on top of all the divisive issues with the pandemic. And our way of life has been stopped cold. And then sports has been stopped cold. So, And sports hasn't been able to leave because they just have to get in line because they don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do. So it's made it a very divided time, a very polarized time. It's not anything like... was focused and patriotic. This is polarized and very disjointed and very confusing. It's anything but like what we faced in 2001. And in that year, sports did bring us back. Piazza brought us back. The Yankees brought us back. That 2001 series, even though the Yankees lost it in seven, and it was a heartbreaking defeat. I was sitting there as it happened. It was a heartbreaking defeat, but you know what? It still was a great seven games and great games at the stadium, and it brought us back. All sports brought us back, and the athletes helped and contributed. This time it's different because everybody is a little lost right now, and we are so divided as a nation. We've— uh, We've probably never been as, well, I don't want to say never because there have been times in our history we have been, but very few times we've we been as divided and as, and, and as uh, polarized as we are now. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours